0: It's another edition of the Deep Slam Podcast. I'm your host, D.P.C. We've got a great show for you today. We've got tight end Jordan Thomas, now two touchdown tight end. That's very hard to say quickly. And then Andrew Mason, who works for DenverBroncos.com, Broncos Broncos Radio. We got into the whole Demarius Thomas trade and got his thoughts on what it was like to cover that receiver and what he's going to do for this Houston offense heading into Sunday's game at Denver. Uh, A lot of exciting things to talk about in this week's show as the Texans try to make it 6-3 and three heading into their bye week, but not that we're looking towards the bye just yet. Got a big game against Denver on Sunday. But first, NFL coaches, they use Bose technology to block out 80,000 screaming fans. So if you want to do the same, if you've got all these screaming fans screaming for you, you want to check out Bose Powerful Noise Cancellation Quiet Comfort 35 Headphones 2. They'll block them all out. They'll block out all your distractions. The QC35 Wireless 2. Those should be your go-to headphones, for all of your listening needs, blocking out noise, blocking out distractions, you can learn more at Bose.com/texans. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. Also, check out Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. Twelve locations, with three new locations opening soon. They've got a food truck. It'll bring you steak burgers, fries, frozen custard right to your event. And uh, Freddy's original double steak burger is a real game changer. All right, let's get right into it. Jordan Thomas. Rookie tight end, number 83, caught two touchdowns, jumped into the stands. He's quite a funny guy. Um, we got into a little bit about his, his background, uh, where he came from, Mississippi State, went to junior college, JUCO, as the kids like to call it. Uh, tight end, wide receiver. He played them both, his struggles with both. And, uh, you know, I I'd really never sat down with him. I talked to him here and there, but I never really had a proper sit down with with uh, Thomas. And you, you'll be able to tell, obviously, because of his reaction when he entered the studio. So take a listen. Jordan Thomas, this week on the Deep Slant Podcast. Welcome to our studio. You've never been in here before? What did you think existed back here?
1: I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's like a
0: whole different world
1: back here. I know.
0: All right, first of all, you're coming off a career game. Tied the record for most touchdown catches by a rookie in a game. So the first guy to set that record was Andre Johnson. Pretty good company for hitting the the record books in franchise history.
1: Wow. That is. Okay. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No man.
0: All right. Well, you got the two touchdown catches. Obviously, mm-hmm. was that like a welcome to the NFL moment that game for you, or?
1: I was just. Were I, you
0: thinking it was coming for you?
1: No, I was just. I, I just reacted to the balls that was coming my way, and just so happened to get two of them my way. So I was just thankful. Just
0: two touchdowns. Yeah. That's all. You did the NRG leap. Yeah. And you said you did it for all the fat boys. Mm-hmm. Um. First of all, how much do you weigh? Mm. <laughs> Because I, I don't know what your definition of fat is, but I, was, I didn't think it was I was doing you. it for
1: my O-lineman, you know. Oh, okay. They can't do that, so I do it for them. So I've been compared to an O-lineman, so I was doing it for them. You've
0: been compared to O-lineman? Yeah. You've slimmed down a little bit since you started playing, right, since the moment you first got here?
1: Yeah, yeah, and we're and we're still working to slim on down. You're going
0: to slim on down a little yes, bit more? Yeah. Can I ask how much – you slimmed down, or how did your body change? What did you do to change um, it? Why did you want to change it?
1: Um, Really, you know, it's all about my – trying to get my hips opened up a little more, you know, because me being so tall and I got to work on my mobility a little bit. So that's really what it is, me slimming down.
0: Do you feel like it's made you faster?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, you lose weight, you're going to feel more better, you know, and that, that all has to get – More locked in with my eating, nutrition, so, and that's what I've been trying to do.
0: What's been the hardest part of that? Nutrition. I feel like the younger players have never really had to watch nutrition so much because they're just, you know, their bodies are running at a super high metabolism. Yeah. What's the hardest part for you?
1: Then me being from Mississippi.
0: And you're from Mississippi, so I'm sure the food is like really good. Yeah. That's Southern cooking.
1: Yeah. Did you
0: have to give up anything that was really particularly hard?
1: A lot. You gave up a lot? Everything. Everything I eat. What's I your what's
0: get? your fa- most favorite southern food?
1: My mom. Okay. My mom's cooking. She's gonna like cook on yeah, a diet for she, you now. She 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 cooks some um, red beans and rice. That's oh my goodness. So
0: is that different from what they have in New Orleans? Oh. Uh, because I've had it in New Orleans. It's, yeah. It's, I haven't had it in New Orleans. I think New Orleans is more spicy. It's, it is more yeah. spicy.
1: Hers is sweet, so. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe in the off season you can enjoy a little bit of that oh. some more. No, maybe not. All right, Mississippi State, there mm-hmm. you played wide receiver mostly. You played a little bit of tight end. Now you're full-time tight end. Full-time. So what's been the hardest part of making that transition wide receiver to tight end?
1: Oh, uh, it, it really hasn't been hard, you know, because, I mean, I played – Mostly tight in in junior college, too, so the whole transition hasn't been hard so but me adding that receiver receiver routes and whatnot to it is actually helped me by me playing receiver so it really hasn't been that hard because you
0: at least you can get your route tree down a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah, I saw you in West Virginia in camp. A lot of times when the tight ends would be working, you'd be working with Coach Tim Kelly, mm-hmm. and he'd be trying to get you like super low to the uh, ground. Yeah. What were you guys working? Part
1: like? of, part of my hips, you know, because I'm 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 such a very tall person. So me open up my hips, and and that's really what it is. Once I open up my hips, I will be good. So
0: it's funny because you're such a big guy. You would think blocking is just supposed to be the easiest part of your game. Did you find that that was a little bit of a, more of a challenge for yeah,
1: you? Yeah, you know, because, I mean, this is my first time actually blocking. So, I mean, it, it's been challenging, but it's been a fun challenge. I was going
0: to say, you must like it.
1: Yeah. Because at a,
0: your size, I would think it's probably pretty it's, fun.
1: It's, it's a fun challenge, you know, going out, you know, no, trying to get better at it every day. I got a tat, uh, a challenge every day, you know, So, and I like to challenge myself. So it's it's been fun to me.
0: You mentioned community college. You started off your college career at East Central Community College. How did you end up there before you went to Mississippi State?
1: How did I end up there? Um, by the man of Ken Karcher, uh, the head coach, came down and recruited me. I didn't. I had straight JUCO offers coming out of high school, so uh, I ended up going there, uh, did two years there, and uh, my second year is when all the big schools came after me, So, and then I went to Mississippi State.
0: Can I ask why the big schools weren't coming after you in high school?
1: Uh, My high school, I mean, yeah, my high school is really known for baseball, not really highly recruited for football. So, I mean.
0: So you put in your two years at community college. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from that path? Because I know several of our players have done that. They've gone uh, to community college and then gone off to the, the college that they end up playing for.
1: Yeah, community college, it's, it's a very humbling experience, you know. You know, you, you really learn how to work hard, you know, so – you gotta really just dig deep, you know, and 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 it's it's rough. JUCO is rough, so that's really what it is. It, it'll humble you a lot. So,
0: why is it humbling? Is it because a lot of those players don't make it past community college, yeah. or because everyone's sort of fighting for the same yeah, thing? Yeah,
1: every everybody's fighting, you know, to to get to that next level too. So, I mean, it's 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 a rough experience, you know. And I'm I was blessed, you know, to come out of there with a, a lot of D1 offers
0: what was the most humbling part of that experience uh, did you have a particular game or moment that you really felt like
1: it makes me you know by me being so big the beds weren't that big <laughs> so I, I, I spent a lot of nights curled up in my bed okay so uh, I I really I'm, I think I'm thankful for my bed. I have. You now. have a big bed now. Yeah, I well, have good a for you. California king. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I
0: think you probably need it. You probably yeah. needed that in community college. And I still
1: too. sleep curled up, so oh. I'm, I'm I'm still trying to get used to it.
0: That you have the space. Yeah. Did anybody not say you seem kind of big for a receiver? You should be a tight end. Cause I feel like just looking at you, it's very obvious you're a tight end yeah but i guess at mississippi state it was just circumstances that they moved you to wide receiver right you
1: know a lot of receivers got hurt my senior year so i had to go out wide so
0: did you ever think that when you got into the nfl you would stick to wide receiver
1: i knew i knew 100 i was gonna be a tight end you did you knew early on yeah
0: most teams were saying you're gonna we're gonna move you and were you okay with that i was
1: definitely okay with that
0: you were you you don't miss being a i mean you kind of get to have some of the same wide yeah, receiver perks. Yeah. Just uh, maybe not as many.
1: Yeah. I don't miss it at all. It's too much running.
0: Too much run- <laughs> More blocking. I, I think you probably are going to be a pretty good blocker yeah. if size has anything to do with it. What are you like off the football field? How would you describe yourself? You seem like kind of a jokester. <laughs> I don't really. I mean, this is the first time I'm sitting down and talking to you. So, why like, what he, do you like to do besides football? Why does everybody think I'm
1: a jokester? I don't um, know.
0: You like to crack. jokes. Ch- I mean, have you called yourself a fat boy? I <laughs> mean,
1: I don't know. Uh, what do I like to do? I, I like to, I'm really a homebody, you know. I sit at home, watch movies, watch TV, you know, relax.
0: What kind of movies? Uh,
1: like, I have the whole thing of Fast and the Furious collection. Okay. Um, I have a collection of Martin, Martin Lawrence. Yes. The the, the TV show. Um,
0: so we're action, comedy. Yeah.
1: I'm, okay. I'm I'm big on comedy, so.
0: <laughs> See, I wasn't right. Speaking of comedy. Your teammate Kiki QT said you were the easiest player on the team to prank. I feel like there's a story here somewhere. Did he try to prank you or were you pranked? I
1: don't know. know Maybe something's coming. Me and him was roommates uh, when we first got here for rookie minicamp and in Virginia. So it was was a lot going on between me.
0: you think he ever pranked you and you just don't know?
1: I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe he's could, pulled some pranks. Maybe. I don't know where he'd get that from. Maybe he had. I don't remember. He might have pranked Cause we, too. We've Me and him laugh about a lot of things. So I feel like me, me and him has a, ha, have a good connection with each other, you know, uh, with movies too. So we watched a lot of movies when we was in the OTAs and all that. So, I mean, he's a he's a jokester himself too. Okay, so I mean. would just
0: watch out for him. I'm just saying. He says that he <laughs> you're easy to prank. All right, any more energy leaps in your future? I'm sure you're going to have more touchdowns in your future, but do you think you're ever going to do that or you've got something else planned for the next time?
1: Uh, we're we going to have to see, you know. Getting in the end zone is pretty hard in the NFL. It's not that easy. So uh, we're going to have to see about that. I don't know yet. we we got some stuff up my sleeve. So All
0: right, good stuff. I can't wait to see what the second half of the season holds for you, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing what he does for the second half of the season, predicting big things for him, obviously with Ryan Griffin out for the last two games. he Jordan Thomas got a lot of chances um, to really get involved in the offense, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And it will be exciting to see with Demarius Thomas, the other Thomas um, on the roster, how this offense is going to look on Sunday against the Broncos. I caught up with Andrew Mason. He basically does what I do except for the Broncos. And uh, let me tell you, they were very sad in Denver to lose Demarius because it seemed like he was quite a fabric-of-the-locker-room type of guy. They loved covering him on and off the field. And we got a little bit of insight into him. And and as far as this Case Keenum-led Broncos 2018 team, their 3-5 and five record definitely doesn't reflect how much talent they really have on that roster. We talked about it, and we, t- we talked about what this matchup's going to look like on Sunday. Here's Andrew Mason of Broncos.com. Let's talk about the Demarius-Thomas trade. Obviously, that's the top of the news for Sunday's matchup. What's the reaction in Denver surrounding the trade? Is it surprise? Is it, uh, was it to be expected? You know, what what are people saying in Denver about this?
2: I think it was to be expected. The rumors have been swirling for about a week or so now, maybe even a little bit more than that. And uh, Demarius Thomas himself on Sunday in the locker room after the loss at Kansas City said he figured it was, 50-50 that he was going to be traded. And when you put something like that out there, out when you're the player, you kind of got an indication of how things are going to go. And everyone could see the writing on the wall. He had a $17 million cap number for next year for the Broncos if they had kept him under that contract. Cortland Sutton, their second-round pick, is progressing ahead of schedule. He's making plays. He looks like he can be a starter for a long time for the Broncos. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, who's currently hurt right now with a knee injury, he's a fourth-round pick this year. They like an awful lot that they uh, got a chance to work with now at the Senior Bowl. Got a glimpse of him, picked him, and he's continued uh, to show progress throughout training camp, and they want to get him on the field more. Kind of the chain reaction is that Deshaun Hamilton will probably see more time over the rest of the season, or a greater increase in playing time over the rest of the season than even Cortland Sutton. So they like these young receivers. Something was going to happen with Demarius Thomas in the offseason anyway, whether it was a restructure or an outright release. So putting all the pieces together, no one's really that shocked. It's sad for the Broncos to lose. Demarius Thomas, because he's their second all-time leading receiver. He'll be in there and bring a fame at some point, a big part of some great seasons for them. But this is the kind of trait you see in baseball or football, or baseball or the NBA, pardon me, that, you know, a guy, you've got a, a veteran player, a young one nipping at his heels, and you make the deal and you move on.
0: You know, certainly a lot of big highlights from his career, prolific career in Denver. And there's a banner of him on the side of Mile High. I saw that they were going to change that into sort of a thank you for everything that he's done for the Broncos and for the community. What about for you? What's been your favorite moment of his that you covered?
2: Well, the moment on the field, you'd have to go back to the 2011 postseason, January of 2012. They're playing against Pittsburgh. And – First play of overtime, Tim Tebow goes back to throw, hits Thomas in in stride, and Thomas takes off for an 80-yard touchdown. First play of overtime, boom, game over. Broncos pull off the upset and advance to the divisional round. So that moment is hard to top. That's one of the Broncos' probably top three or four all-time postseason single moments. So that one on the field, I'll remember other things. though. I'll remember, you know, how – he always had a smile for everybody. Very, very warm person around the team, around the building. Uh, loved in the locker room, loved throughout the organization. I also remember in Super Bowl 48 when the Broncos were getting drummed by the Seattle Seahawks and they lose 43 8. And he was one of the guys that kept fighting his tail off right to the very end, fighting for extra yards, even after the cause had been lost true professional in every way on and off the field just he'll be he'll be missed I'll, I'll miss seeing him around the building you guys are getting a really good guy down there in Houston
0: really looking forward to seeing him here and I know you guys will see him soon again on the opposite side on Sunday but as far as the Texans go they lose Will Fuller which I'm sure you know, uh, for the, to a season-ending ACL injury. So with Fuller out, obviously Demarius Thomas can fill a little bit of a role as far as Fuller's concerned, different skill set. But, you know, can you give us a little idea of what he did well in that receiving group in the Broncos and, and where he might help the Texans on Sunday against the Broncos?
2: Well, he can still make catches in traffic. Now he's lost some of that top-end speed getting downfield, so he's not the vertical threat that he was and he's not the threat of a to make a breakaway on a bubble screen that he was earlier in his career but you can still have tight, you can have tight coverage on him and he can still make the catch in traffic he's still capable of winning a physical one-on-one match against almost any cornerback because you know he is bigger and stronger than almost any guy he's going to face so he's a guy that I think could progress into a Larry Fitzgerald type of role in his 30s, depending on how long he keeps playing. Someone who doesn't have the breakaway speed but can catch that eight-yard slant despite tight coverage, move the chains, keep the offense going down the field. His per-carry average probably won't be what it was earlier in his career, but he can be a guy who moves the sticks, forces the defense to take him seriously, and play the Texans' offense honest, and not simply shade all coverage over DeAndre Hopkins.
0: The Texans are going to see a familiar face on Sunday when they face Case Keenum, who was uh, here for the first few years of his career. His first season in Denver, he's been putting up some big numbers over 2,000, over 2,100 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, but also 10 interceptions. What's been the verdict on Keenum through the first eight starts, and where can he improve?
2: I'd say the jury's probably out on Case Keenum right now, just Because he has shown some good things, and he's better than what the Broncos had at quarterback last year cycling through Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, and Paxton Lynch. But better means that they're better than number 31 in the league in passer rating, which is where the Broncos were as a team in 2017. And that's why you have to say the jury is out. He's done some good things. He certainly clicked with Emmanuel Sanders, and Sanders is back to production that is uh, at his 2015-2014 level with Peyton Manning, but at the same time, the interceptions are a concern. He has at least one interception in every game so far this year and had one on a pass to Demaryius Thomas on a flea flicker in the fourth quarter against Kansas City. And The thing that the Broncos liked about Case Keenum when they brought him in in March was He was a no-mistake guy last year, only seven picks against 22 touchdowns for the Vikings, yet now he's gone back to a guy that has a little bit of trouble keeping the ball out of the opponent's hands. It's something he's got to fix over the next few weeks because the Broncos, if they're going to make something out of this season, they need to see Minnesota case, not Houston Rams case.
0: Yeah, I was watching a little bit of that Broncos-Chiefs game on Sunday. The Texans obviously played on Thursday, so we were off on Sunday. A 30-23 loss to the Chiefs. On paper, Denver stacked up uh, really well against the Chiefs. They put up 189 yards rushing. They were 2-of-2 two two in goal-to-go situations. They actually had more first downs than Kansas City. Uh, you know, what were some of those issues in that loss?
2: Well, you have to start on the defensive side because the offense did well enough to win. If you looked at the Broncos and before the game and said, okay, they're going to rush for 180 yards, even without Royce Freeman, who's battling a high-angle sprain, and Case Keenum's going to throw for two touchdown passes, you would say, wow, they've got a real good chance to win that game. The offense is doing what it wants to do because the running game is able to take pressure off of Case Keenum. And he was able to complete some throws. He had a nice pass to Cortland Sutton down the left sideline and set up a touchdown late in the first half. But on the defensive side, I, I talked with Chris Harris Jr. this morning, and he- they're kind of at wit's end a little bit on the defensive side. Because they had an outstanding performance against the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football. And they're the only team that has held the Chiefs to below 30 points, keeping the 27 back in Week 4. But at the same time, the consistency isn't there. And there are costly mistakes at times. There were two key penalties on the defense that helped lead to extended Chiefs drives in that game last week. The pass rush is is. Doing very well, both Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Uh, they split a sack last Sunday. Uh, they both have at least seven sacks apiece. They're getting what they want out of the pass rush. On the back end, it's a bit of a struggle. They miss a keep to lead. Darian Stewart, pro, former Pro Bowl safety, he's injured right now. He's had three neck stingers. Bradley Roby has been forced to play an extensive role this year with a keep to lead. Now with the Rams, and Roby has struggled in that role. A lot of teams seem to basically look at the Broncos in the secondary and say, we're going to throw away from Chris Harris Jr., take our chance against Roby, from Maine Brock, Adam Pacman Jones, and they found success. And then the other thing, while the run defense, it's shored itself up the last couple of games, it struggled mightily actually allowed a back-to-back 200-yard runners earlier in October. So yeah, the defensive side, and we used to talk about defense with the Broncos the last year, it's the defense that is really causing them some issues right now.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Bradley Chubb, and uh, he looks like he's having an outstanding rookie season. What's his transition to the NFL been like? And it's going to be the first time for the Texans to face him. Give us a little description of what Bradley Chubb looks like in that defense.
2: Well, compared to Von Miller, who's more of a speed pass rusher, Chubb is more of a power guy, at 269 pounds. And they're starting to use that more effectively. When the season began, he's working at strong side outside linebacker. and the strictly defined role of this of that backer involves covering tight ends. Well, that's not something Bradley Chubb really did in North Carolina State where he was a hand in the dirt 4 three defensive end and teams exploited that early Well this for the Seahawks back in week one had a big game making plays primarily at Chubb's expense. so I think they figured out okay, yeah I mean, we have, we may have to tweak some things tactically to, adapt for what Bradley Chubb's skill set is and put some of those coverage responsibilities elsewhere and let him focus on getting into the backfield, being disruptive there. When that happened in the last few games, last three games, Bradley Chubb looks like a completely different player. Now he looks like the guy that was arguably the best defensive player in this draft, second defensive player off the board behind Denzel Ward going to the Browns. And, complementing with Vaughn Miller the two of them they're classic bookend rushers now you have to account for both of them on the outside so one of them is always is almost always going to get a one on a one matchup and that's going to allow either Vaughn Miller or Bradley Chubb whichever one gets the one on one to feast so he looks like the real deal
0: all right we saw Vaughn Miller's comments a few weeks ago before that Thursday night win against the Cardinals he basically guaranteed a win, and I'm paraphrasing his words. How much of a spark did that provide? We know that they won in that Thursday night game, but, you know, is that sustainable for the second half of the season? It seemed like he was really fired up and ready to go and got everyone ready to play. How much of that do you see moving forward for the rest of the season, if you can look into the future?
2: I think it can be sustainable if they avoid the self-inflicted wounds. That's the thing that, that seems really holding them back right now, their own mistakes, penalties, mental errors. You know, missed assignments, that's the thing that's keeping this team in that mediocre range right now. Now, Von Miller, when he said that going into Thursday Night Football, it was one of those things where sometimes when a player makes a bold statement like that, you say, yeah, it's Baltimore material, but that was aimed at the Broncos' own locker room. And he'd even tipped off a couple of guys around the locker room before he had that press conference. Look, I'm going to say this. He wanted to make sure everybody was on point. And it did work, and I thought that they played well against Kansas City, not well enough to win, but they played well. Whether it's sustainable or not, I think that simply depends on how much momentum they can build. If they can string together a couple of wins in succession in November, and they've got the bye sitting there on Veterans Day, but elsewhere in November they have the Texans at home, By at the Chargers and the Chargers are playing well and they'll have Nick Bosa back by then, but that will basically be a neutral site game for the Broncos because there'll be a lot of Bronco fans there. And then Pittsburgh at home. So if you can find a way to get some momentum, win a couple of those games in November, then I think Von Miller's words have a chance to resonate and carry them and help carry them emotionally the rest of the way. But they've got to get the ball rolling and. They need a win over a good team, and that's something they're missing. Their wins right now, they beat Seattle in, in week one. There wasn't much expected of Seattle, although they're playing better now. They beat the Raiders in a close game in week two. The Raiders are terrible. They beat the Cardinals on Thursday night football back in, in, in week seven, but the Cardinals are dreadful right now. They need a, a win over a playoff contender. If they can get one, I think one has potential to come two or three and get them back in the race.
0: All right, good stuff. Andrew Mason covers the Broncos for Broncos Radio and DenverBroncos.com. It's shaping up to be quite an exciting week heading into this Week 9 matchup up at Mile High. Uh, Andrew, thanks again, and look forward to seeing you there in Denver.
2: All right, I'll see you this weekend. Take care.
0: A lot of former players facing their former teams, and J.J. Devian Clowney facing another former Texans quarterback in back-to-back weeks. Let's hope it goes as well as it did on that Thursday night against Miami and Brock Osweiler, hoping that the Texans can walk out of there with a big W, get a nice week off. It's it's great to head into a bye with a win, and uh, we can just talk about the win for days and days and days and then you know head into the second stretch of the season because it's not going to get any easier. We're going to have a few road games, uh, but it will be nice to have a little break in between Denver and... And Washington so looking very much forward to that looking forward to the bye and always we've got great content on HoustonTexans.com just because it's a bye week for the Texans does not mean it's a bye week for HoustonTexans.com or Texans Buzz or Texans Extra Points or any of our great shows so check those out on HoustonTexans.com follow me on Deep Slant and follow the Houston Texans at Houston Texans always great stuff on on Twitter on Instagram TV every Friday If you haven't checked it out lately, you might want to check that out as well. And as always, thank you so much for checking out this podcast. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. You can leave a review. Let me know what you think. And we'll be back next week. Like I said, it's the bi-week, but the podcast will live on. So be sure to check us out again in another week. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and go Texas!